0: welcome back to the yellow box podcast this week we're joined by community pastor ian simpkins as we continue our series radical life for more information please visit us at www.communitychristian.org and remember you can always find us at the yellow box on sundays at 9 30 a.m 11:15 a.m and 5 p.m we hope to see you there good morning community how are you feeling this morning It's good to see you. I just drove back last night from our winter conference blast from the Wisconsin Dells, so I am feeling super well rested. Um, (laughs) Glad to be with you, though. There's nowhere I'd rather be than right here with you guys. I want to begin with this question. The question is uh, what do you enjoy? In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor real quick and finish this sentence? I enjoy, and just tell them, just tell them real quick across the room what you enjoy. Someone said, I enjoy Ian's laugh. (laughs) Feels patronizing, but I'll take it. Okay, so let's, that might have been weird if you didn't know the people next to you. Let's get some responses. What did, someone from over here, what what, did you hear? What did you say? You enjoy what? What? Singing? Singing? Excellent. You want to come up and sing? I'm just kidding. I'm joking. (laughs) Next week, uh, maybe this section. What are some of the things you said? I enjoy Ian's hat. Ian's hat. All right, well, maybe... (laughs) <laughs> Notice how no one else supported you in that. Like, don't encourage him. It's ridiculous. How about uh, this section? I enjoy what? Did someone say the bathroom? I have. I can't hear anybody. How about the front section? Skiing. Perfect. All right. I. Uh, those are way better responses than what I came up with. I know that for a lot of you, though, maybe if you're honest, you would say you love chocolate. Any chocolate lovers in the room? Tinny? Literally, people oohed like you're going to get free chocolate or something. Um, But I mean, just would you just ponder this for a moment? Just let this image just soak deep into your being. Is there anything better than letting a piece of Hershey's just melt in your mouth with a tall glass of milk, right? Is there anything better? I would contend there is not. But since getting married, actually, my... uh, my chocolate tastes have gotten a little fancier. and I'd like to introduce to you a little piece of heaven on earth, and it's this. It's the Giardelli Dark with Caramel Sea Salt Square. Anyone? <laughs> Literally spontaneous applause. I don't know who's marketing sea salt right now, but they're crushing it. It's in everything. Is it new? I don't think so. There's something about chocolate, though, that for a lot of us, like it just pulls at us, you sense when it's in the room, you you know when it's nearby, and all this talk of chocolate maybe has some of your mouths watering a little bit, so I'd like to actually pass out some chocolate, would you guys like some chocolate, anyone, I brought some chocolate here, um, and I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll pass it, I'll be nice today, anyone want some chocolate down here, let's see, right, you want some chocolate, yeah, there you go, uh, don't eat it all at one point, here we go, right here, anyone, any, anyone want some chocolate, here. Yeah, here back here. All right, there you go. Some chocolate. It's gonna, it's a, He's like, that's a truffle. Yeah, okay. It's, it's a good point. Here's some more. Anyone over here want some chocolate? There you go. You get some chocolate. Don't eat it all right now. You'll ruin your lunch. Anyone over here want some chocolate? Chocolate it. Yeah, you'll take it, right? <laughs> Very reluctant. Okay. But that, I mean, your mouths are just watering right now, though, right? And, and those of you that just got the chocolate, go ahead and just, um, just just take a taste right now, if you would. Just, just really go ahead and enjoy it, right? Just, yeah, open it up. Just smell it. Just remind yourself of the beauty of chocolate, the reminder that, one, there is a God, and, two, that he loves us very, very much, right? Just let, let that experience... Oh, you, you can't, can you? No, because it's just, it's just printed on paper. So, so stay with me, actually. This, this, is, this is going somewhere, because the truth of the matter is we can't really enjoy something without actually experiencing it, right? It's impossible to enjoy something without actually experiencing it. It's, it's not enough to just like look at chocolate and talk about chocolate. In fact, that's probably more frustrating for many of us. To truly enjoy chocolate, we have to experience chocolate. So let's go back to this original question. What do you enjoy? What do you enjoy? Did anyone answer that question, I enjoy God? Because here's what I think is true for a lot of us. Whatever kind of tradition you were raised in, or maybe you weren't raised in a tradition at all, but for me, God was someone to be obeyed and respected, but no one ever talked to me about God being someone I could enjoy. And not only that I could enjoy, but that God actually wants me to enjoy him. That's part of his deep desire for us. Some of you, maybe you say this. Maybe your answer is, well, I, I love God, right? And that's a pretty safe Sunday school answer. I, I love God. Like, we know that we're supposed to say that. But loving God doesn't necessarily mean that you enjoy God, right? Anyone in here with kids? <laughs> you connected the dots, not me. Uh <laughs> It's possible to love something without enjoying it. Some of us, maybe this is you, I like God, right? Like he's okay. Like he's nice and all, right? Maybe for some of us, God, you're like, yeah, God's, I mean, he's, he's cute. He's, he's friendly, right? But I don't really know that I enjoy him. Maybe others of you, you think, I fear God. And not like in the biblical sense of reverence and awe, but like you, you actually really fear God. Like your picture of God is just a big, angry guy with a white beard, arms crossed, just like waiting for you to get your life together. God's, God's like an angry parent. And I'm a little afraid of him. Some of you maybe think, well, I just honestly avoid God. God God is sort of like this cosmic killjoy, right? Like he wants to ruin all the fun in my life. So I'm just gonna, like I'll pray to him maybe on Sundays, but the rest of my, I'm just gonna kind of try and stay out of his way. What what view do you tend to take? Maybe it's one of those, maybe it's something else. And what I found in the last few years of ministry is that we all have a lot of different opinions about God, but I think one of the most important questions we can ask is, what do I truly believe to be true about God? We're in week two, as Sherry mentioned, of this Radical Life series, and then we called it Radical Life not only because Jesus came and lived the radical life, but he also invites us to live this radical, upside-down life as well, the kind of life that many people when he first came to earth couldn't understand. So much of what he offered and taught and the ways that he lived seemed so contrary to what they knew, and we've been asking this question. Am I following the real Jesus? Am I following the real Jesus? Now, this is an important question because there's a lot of different kinds of Jesus. We showed a video last week called Plato Jesus, and the idea there is that many of us kind of create an idea of Jesus that best fits our needs, and we worship that version of Jesus. But the question we wanna ask throughout this series is, am I actually following Jesus? like this real, radical, upside-down living rabbi who often challenges the way we think about everything. Jesus came and he showed us and continues to show us what God is really like. So what did Jesus reveal about God? I think it might be helpful to turn to uh, the person that maybe knew Jesus the best, one of his friends named John, And John was a part of like Jesus' inner circle. There's the 12, but then there was three. And John was a part of that group. In fact, John was sitting closest to him during the Last Supper, which was a very significant seat at the table. And even while hanging on the cross, Jesus is giving instruction to John to care for Jesus' mother once he's gone. So arguably, no one knew Jesus better than John. And so what does John tell us about the way that Jesus reveals God to us. Simply put, in 1 John 4, he says this, God is love. God is love. Three short words, but with massive implications. It's a sentence packed with meaning. Let's, let's read it in context really quick. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. I can just kind of picture John being so moved by this revelation, being like so stirred to his core, to a people that maybe had no real concept of a God that actually loved them, didn't just like them, but loved them and pursued them, like grabbing people by the shoulders. Don't you understand? God isn't just loving, he is love. His very nature and essence is love. And maybe maybe those words need to shake us this morning too. God isn't someone just to sort of be respected or obeyed for us to like, as long as we keep him sort of on a Sunday shelf somewhere. God, God loves us with an unthinkable love, the kind of love that has no brim, or bottom. John says here is that God's love fills us. God's love fills us. Is there anything better than being filled with love? Can you think of a time where, like that's how you would define that moment? It may have been a short moment, but you, you can actually remember a time like, I'm just, I'm filled with love for this person. Maybe it was a wedding day or the birth of a child or just like like reconnecting with an old friend, you're like, I'm just filled with love in this moment. Is there anything better than being filled with love? Echoing John, the Apostle Paul declares this in Romans five. He says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I I love that image. Because God isn't just like sprinkling a little bit of love dust here or there, right? these like emotional highs every once in a while we can get away to a conference and we can come to church on Sunday he's like no no it's it's poured out his love is lavished upon us this means that no matter what ups or downs we experience we know that there is always someone who is constantly filling us with his love and presence what what would change in our lives if we actually began to live in a constant awareness of that reality That regardless of what's happening in our life, in our family, in our communities, at our jobs, whatever ups or downs we experience, the one who created us and defines us and loves us and pursues us is always filling us up with his love. I don't know about you, but I think if I lived in a greater sense of that, my life would look a lot different. That reality, that awareness changes things. It changes how we live changes how we see people. It changes how we interact. What would it look like if we knew that at every moment we were being filled with God's perfect love? Now, John also says that God's love defines us. God's love defines us. He says, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they live in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And I, I love that idea that in this world, we're like Jesus. We identify with Jesus The love that God has for us is the same love that the Father has for the Son. It's not a second-class citizen type of love. It's not like a knockoff brand kind of love. The same love that the Father has for the Son, he has for us. That is scandalizing. But I think that if we actually understood that, if we actually let that reality sink deep into our hearts, it would change everything. Which means that we're not defined by our successes, or our failures, our bank accounts, our jobs, our houses, our cars, our family. We're not defined by any of those things that we so easily look to for identity. God says, no, you are defined by my radical, unending love for you. Because no one has the right to define you except the one who made you, and he calls us beloved. No one has the right to define you except the one who made you. made you, and he looks at us and says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I love you with a love greater than you could ever dream or imagine. That's what John is talking about here. The radical truth that I think a lot of us need to hear today is that God enjoys you. God enjoys you. Can you grasp that today? My guess is that for a lot of us, that doesn't sit well with us. Like, it's, like it looks nice on a screen, but if we're really honest, like, I don't, know what to, I don't know what to do with that. And I think for a lot of us, maybe the reason that we have a hard time believing that God enjoys us is because we don't enjoy ourselves. I mean, you might even be in this room right now sitting here thinking, like, that's fine, pastor boy, but you don't know where I've been. <laughs> right? You don't know what I've done the mistakes I've made, the people I've hurt. And the narrative from Genesis to Revelation is a story of people who don't live perfect lives, far from it. But in the midst of our brokenness, our hurt, our pain, our sin, God pursues us to make very clear to us That regardless of whatever you've done or what's been done to you, God's love is never ending. And not just this sort of ethereal, nebulous, Sunday school love, but that he enjoys you. That he delights in you. And he delights in you right now. He delights in you, not a better version of you. Not like a once you get your act together, you Like, do we really truly get that this morning, that exactly wherever you're at this morning, whatever story brought you in this room this morning, the God of the universe looks at you and he says, oh man, I am so crazy about you. I'm so in love with you. I enjoy you. Would that change things in our lives if we lived in a constant awareness of that truth? I think that it would. In his gospel, John records these words in John 15 it says I'm the vine you're the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing as the father has loved me so I have loved you now remain in my love remain in my love and essentially what that word remain there your translation may read abide it simply means to hang out to spend time with god to just be with him. Because think about it. Think about the relationships that you most enjoy, right? Like think of that best friend or the person closest to you. You don't want more than for them to just send you gifts every once in a while or a text here and there or an email when they think about you. You, you probably, more than anything in this world, just want to be with them. You just want to spend time with them. And that's the invitation here. So many of us, I think, are so busy doing things for God that we miss to do things with God, that we're doing Christian-looking things, and God's saying, man, I love what you're doing, I love the effort you're putting forward here, but I would love, first and foremost, for you just abide in me, to just remain in me. Like a branch receiving its life from the vine, Jesus wants us to stay so linked to him that we are continually filled and defined by him. He goes on in verse 11, it says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be, what's that last word? Complete, full, overflowing. You see, I think a lot of us were maybe handed a particular brand of theology that says, um, you have to pray this prayer so that you can hunker down here for 80 to 90 years so that when you die, you go up instead of down, Right? Like harps instead of pitchforks. That's, that's the deal. That's the exchange. And throughout the Gospels, we get a whole different picture of this radical Jesus. He says, man, I didn't, I didn't come just so that when you die, you can have eternal life. I, I came so that right now you may have life that isn't just surviving. It's not just like making it. It's that your joy might be full, complete, That's the God that we serve, the complete joy, a life of enjoying God. And ultimately, that's what Celebrate is all about. You've perhaps heard us talk about the three C's here a lot, and this first C, Celebrate, is about enjoying God. It's about seeing him the way that he desires for us to see him, it's this perpetual life of enjoying God, it's not about fear or half-hearted devotion, it's about experiencing his love every day. That, that God enjoys you and, the, and longs for us to enjoy him. That's, that's why we gather together. It's not to check a box on a list. It's like, oh, cool, I got that out of the way. It's not even just to sing some songs and to hear some words, as good as that often can be. The point isn't for us to like leave with like a better cerebral sense of like what this passage means. The point ultimately is for us to grow more and more in love with who God is in our lives and to bring that love wherever we go. It's why we gather. It's why we sing. It's why we get into small groups. It's why we read his word. It's why we pray. All of those things are meant to stir our affections for God. So what are those things? What are those things that stir your affections for God? Because the point isn't about appeasing or impressing God. God. There are pathways for us to enjoy God. My, my guess is that there's plenty of us in this room that we've been living with a, a list of have-tos instead of get-tos. I have to do these things because that's what a good Christian does, right? What if we began to pray that God would flip that upside down in our heart to actually give us space to just delight in him? How, how can we engage in these practices of celebrate better this next year. Well, we, uh, we developed uh, a 3C growth plan and we have a, a, new, a new and improved platform actually. 3Cs are a celebrate, connect, contribute. And uh, I cannot encourage you enough go to this website, do it today. It doesn't take that long, but this is a really good practical resource, not only for assessing, okay, where do I, I kind of need some, uh, some improvement, where could I grow a bit, but then also like developing a plan. Because like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, we don't grow in these things accidentally. No one's ever become like accidentally ripped. It doesn't happen that way. You got to be intentional. You got to be focused. And this is one of the best resources to do that. Take this test. Be really honest with yourself. And then actually develop a plan for the ways that you want to grow in these areas this next year. And at the end of this series, we're actually gonna have a a commitment portion of that service on uh, on January 28th. And uh, I really think this is gonna be one of the most important Sundays of the year for us. Because after we talk about what does it mean to actually follow this radical Jesus together as a family, we're gonna commit to actually living these things out together. And we'll stumble and trip along the way, we all will, but we're gonna commit as a family, as a community, say, I'm gonna make this a priority this year to pursue these things in my life, not out of fear or obligation, but because I sense that that's what God is calling me toward. He's tugging at my heart. I cannot encourage you enough to be here on that Sunday. But for now, let me ask you this. What, what step could you take this coming year to help you enjoy God? What could, what could you do? Does God wants you to enjoy him. As we talked about at the beginning, you can't really enjoy something without experiencing it. it made me think of uh, a movie. The movie, I think it's called Chocolat. Is that pronounced correctly? I called it chocolate earlier, and someone was like, oh, it's chocolat. And I was like, I'm not doing that on stage. But then I did. Um, and uh, it's a weird movie. I'm just going to tell you that. It's a strange flick. But in it, it's, this, um, it's just sort of this peaceful, nice little town, and uh, a mother and her daughter move to town, and they open a chocolate shop, and people start losing their minds. They'd never experienced chocolate before, and so everyone in this village begins to like, experience and enjoy chocolate, and it's like changing the community. Everyone except the mayor. The mayor is not having it. Now, the mayor is, he's got it all. He's wealthy. He's successful. He's even like a very religious man, right? He's politely greeting everyone on Sunday. And in the movie, he breaks into the chocolate shop to destroy the chocolate. Here's a, a screenshot from the movie. So he, he breaks in in sort of this fit of rage to just like destroy this chocolate shop. And then in the midst of doing it, it's this really odd scene, a, a piece of chocolate in his kind of destruction to sort of, Lands on his lip and there's this like super weird close up of his mouth Um, but then he tastes it though for the first time he actually tastes chocolate and you can see it in his eyes something changes something switches for him and he just starts eating all the chocolate just I think the next picture is him just passed out (laughs) Just going crazy, can't, can't get enough of it. And, and I, I hope this doesn't sound irreverent. I really, truly think that is closer to the gospel than we realize. That maybe for some of us, we've lived really diligent, disciplined lives, very f- faithful lives even, but we've never actually experienced God. God. We've never enjoyed him fully. And I think what maybe God is saying to all of us, regardless of your background, regardless of where you came from, regardless of your tradition, your theology, your doctrine, saying apart from all of that, I want you to enjoy me. To not just speak of me, but to speak with me will abide in me to remain in my love what would it look like if our lives began to be marked by enjoying God what if instead of just a a picture of chocolate we actually had chocolate itself that's what I think led the psalmist to write this to taste and see that the Lord is good Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's saying, don't, don't just study that the Lord is good. Don't just like understand that the Lord is good. Experience him. Because what I think the psalmist realized is that once you truly experience God, can enjoy God, it changes everything. What would it look like in our lives we actually opened up ourselves to the possibility that God enjoys us and wants us to enjoy him. I think that if every day we could be filled with a deeper and deeper awareness that we're filled by and defined by his unending love for us, it would change everything. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us with that kind of love. We know that we are not deserving of it, And in fact, there's nothing that we could do to earn it on our own. And yet you look at us and you call us sons and daughters. God, I pray for every person in this room this morning, whatever hurdle, whatever obstacle that maybe is in their life, God, that you would break down those walls, those barriers that keep us from experiencing you. whatever it is that we need to confess or get rid of, whatever things maybe are tripping us up, God, remove those things from us and allow us to not just talk about you, but to talk with you, to experience you and your love fully so that we can enjoy you and invite others to do the same. We thank you, God. We love you that you invite us to this kind of radical life. Give us the courage, give us the strength to do so. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.